minimize the moving around from this moment on. Just give me about 30, 40 minutes and I believe with all my heart you won't be disappointed this morning. So if we could just minimize all the moving around at this time as we look into the Word of God. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3 and we're going to look at verse number 13 and 14. And it reads like this, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing, everybody say one thing, I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press, everybody say press, toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning for your grace and your mercy. And Father, we just pray for an outpouring of your spirit, God, and we pray that you would take control, God, and that you would minister to all of our hearts and minds. And, Father, that none of us would leave this place wanting, but we'd leave this place knowing, Father, that you spoke to us and that you showed up on our behalf. Father, you know where we're at. You know everything about us. You know what we need and what we're going through. But, Father, in light of all that, God, it's nothing in comparison to your greatness and your power. And, Father, that's what we need here today. We need your power. We need you to reach down once again and touch us. Some of us need to be healed. Some of us need to be delivered. Some of us need to be set free. Some of us need to be saved. Whatever it is that we need, God, that's exactly what you are. And Father, I just pray and surrender this service over to you. I step aside and I know that you're faithful and you'll step in. And Father, that you'd be glorified here today. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You guys go ahead and be seated. I'm going to read our text again. Brothers... I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining or pressing toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. See, the Apostle Paul was a firm believer in moving forward. In the book of Philippians, Paul vividly explained that he left the past in the past and he pressed forward toward the heavenly goal. He left the past in the past. And I believe with all my heart this morning that all of us throughout life, we need to simply do that. We need to leave the past in the past. See, you have a past. I have a past. We all have a past. And many of us are ashamed of that past. But you know what? The past, if you've already brought it to the feet of Jesus, the past has already been blood washed. The past has already been forgotten. And sometimes the enemy always reminds us of our past. But I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus, if he's already, you've already asked him to forgive you of your past. When we continuously bring it up to him, sometimes I can imagine Jesus up in heaven. And he's like, man, what are you talking about down there? I've already forgiven you of it. I've chose not to remember it no more. I've already cast it to the sea of forgetfulness, and I don't remember and know what you're talking about. Not that he's senile, not that he's limited, but he chooses to take our past, to wrap it up, and to throw it to the depth of the sea where nobody can go and bring it back up, but only us. And the problem with us as humans, mere humans... In our fallibility, in, our, uh, you know, in, in us as being just uh, the average individual, what we like to do is we always like to bring up our past. Well, I've been this way because I grew up like this. 
or I've been this way because uh, the environment. I wasn't uh, raised in a two-parent home. Matter of fact, my grandparents raised me and they weren't believers. I was raised like this and I've been this way my whole life and I don't know if I could ever change. But the thing is, the matter of the situation is you can't change on your own. You could want to change all you want, but we have to humble ourselves and get on our face before God and cry out to God. And God can come into your life and he can change you from the inside out. But a lot of times we want to always let our past paralyze us. We're stuck. Like, why can't I go any further? I want to go further, but you know, I'm stuck. It's like we got our feet are cemented in concrete. And it's like we're leaning, but we ain't going nowhere. We're trying, but we can't go nowhere. Well, the problem is, is you got to allow the enemy to, I mean, God Almighty to come and break that concrete that the enemy has wrapped around your feet. And he wants to set you free and he wants to order your steps and he wants to direct every step that you take. But sometimes we're stuck in our past. Like, man, why can't I get a breakthrough? Man, when am I going to get my healing? Man, when am I going to, uh, you know, get a raise and get a job? When is my kids going to get saved? When, 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 when? The past. The past. Paul vividly explained that he left the past in the past. And he pressed forward. That word pressed in the Greek, just like if you bench press. Anybody bench press in this place? At one time or another, amen? Some of us need to press away from the table, amen, somebody? <laughs> Including me, I ain't gonna lie to you. But press, it takes action. It's a strenuous thing to do. You know, if you get down there and you lay on that bench and you begin to press, after a while, you begin to strain just a little bit. Well, this thing called life, us being believers, disciples, men and women of God. Sometimes it takes a little bit of a strength on our, be on our part, on our behalf. And it's a little strenuous at times. It gets a little hard and tiring at times. But remember that old saying, if it doesn't uh, hurt you, or no, no, no. Uh, if there's no pain, there's no gain. If there's no pain, there's no gain. And I don't know about you, I don't want to gain what this world has to offer. I want to gain and wake up in heaven one day and see Jesus face to face. Praise the Lord. What happened there? Amen. The devil's a liar. But I want to be able to gain what God has in store for me. I don't want to gain what this world has to offer. You know, the Bible says, what profit is a man to gain the whole world but yet lose his soul? So in other words, what that says, and you've heard me say it before, is what that simplifies or what that, the meaning behind that. And what it says is, is that you're worth more than this whole world. I don't care what your parents perhaps said, your school teacher, your tia, your grandma, the person next to you. I don't care what you think or the devil says, you're worth more than this whole world. You're Lord, hallelujah, glory to God. The devil doesn't want me to preach today, but we're going to preach anyways. Amen, somebody? <laughs> glory to God. Even though I got to pull that bullhorn out from the back of that, we'll pull the bullhorn out. We'll have a rally right here in the house of the Lord. Amen? <laughs> but we got to continue to press. It, it, it takes a little bit of work at times. Sometimes it hurts just a little bit. Sometimes, you know, it, you, you're going to sweat a little bit. Sometimes, you know, you're going to go against the odds at times. 
Sometimes it seems like all hell is coming against you. Well, guess what? Sometimes it is. But it's okay because it says, the Bible says that stronger is he that is in you than he that is in the world. No matter what the enemy brings against you, you can overcome it. But we got to press. Everybody say press. See, like Paul, like Paul, he vividly explained that he left the past in the past and he pressed toward the heavenly goal line. See, like Paul, we can't focus on the failures of the past. Anybody ever failed before? Every hand in this place should be up because we've all failed. But Paul says we can't focus on the failures of the past and we can't afford to focus on the fears of the future. That's another thing. Let me stop there for a moment. But sometimes we're afraid of what tomorrow may bring. See, I don't know what tomorrow may bring. You may go to work tomorrow and get a pink slip. You, you may just get laid off. You may go home today if your spouse ain't here. And they may tell you that they don't want you no more. I don't know what tomorrow may bring. But I know the one that holds tomorrow. And if he's holding tomorrow, we don't really got nothing to worry about. God is able to put back what the enemy wants to tear apart. There's no reason to fear. There's no reason to be afraid. There's no reason... Excuse the terminology, but any young people, there's no reason to be scared. Right? There's no reason. There's no reason because we have the power of God that lives inside of us. And because of that, we don't have to be afraid of what tomorrow may bring. Come on, I want to preach a little bit, but I need some help today. Amen. I took a couple days off the last messages that I preached, and I want to throw down just a little bit. Anybody want some word this morning? But we have to realize that there's nothing to fear but fear itself. There's no reason to be afraid. Come on, tell your neighbor, don't be afraid. Come on, tell the other one, are you scared? Don't be afraid of what tomorrow may bring. Don't be afraid of the future. We must simply keep pressing forward for Christ. And the title of my message is Can't Stop, Won't Stop. Amen? It's Can't Stop, Won't Stop. How many guys know that life will try to stop you at times? How many guys know society will try to stop you at times? How many guys know that even sad to say the person next to you may try to stop you at times? Unsafe family members definitely will try to stop you at times. But we can't stop. We won't stop. What are we going to go back to? Is there anything really to go back to? I'm not going to go back to my vomit, back to my misery, back to my sin. But I refuse to go back and I'm going to continue to press forward. How many can say praise the Lord? Can't stop, won't stop. See, to continue pressing forward, it requires a couple of things before we get into the message. It's focus and faith. In our text, in verse number 13 of Philippians 3, it says, Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Paul's focus was always forward. See, you can't go forward and do it successfully if you're always looking backwards. If you're always looking, you know, the enemy tells us, remember the good old days? There weren't much good about the old days. There really wasn't. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin, but guess what? It's only for a season. It was okay to get drunk once in a while. But how many guys know it wasn't okay when you woke up in the drunk tank? Right? 
it was okay to smoke once in a while, but it wasn't okay when you end up stealing and robbing and doing things, breaking the law to smoke just a little bit more. So the, it was, there's pleasure in sin, but guess what? When you got to come and pay the piper, the piper wants to get paid. The devil will come and tell you it's time to pay up. And he wants to get your blood. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life. He wants to destroy your family, your marriage. He wants to get your health. He wants you to mess yourself up. But no, not on our watch. We're going to stand up against the lies of the devil. And the devil has no power. He's under our feet. Who can say praise the Lord? So we have to understand that, you know, there's a, a couple of things, like I said, we have to focus in our faith. We can't keep looking backwards to the good old days, so-called good old days, but we have to focus forward. We have to keep our eyes on the prize, keep our eyes on the goal line. And the goal line is not here on earth, but it's up in heaven. We want to be able to run and not be disqualified. We want to be able to run and not faint. We want to be able to run and press on and become all that God has called us to be. We don't want to stop and go back to what we used to be. But we got to stay focused. Focused. Paul's focus was always forward. The word focus, it's the definitions. There's a few. Adjustment for distinct vision. We got to focus on the vision at hand. Also, it means the area that may be seen distinctly or resolved into a clear image. See a state or condition permitting clear perception or understanding. We got to stay focused on the task at hand. The task at hand, if you don't know it by now, is to reach all souls at any cost, to reach the lost, and to be able to empty out hell and fill up heaven, to be able to see our family saved. Anybody want family members saved? Your co-workers saved? Your neighbors saved? The person next to you saved? Come on, somebody. We want to be able to empty out hell. We want to be able to stay focused at the task at hand. We want to see souls transformed. We want people delivered. We want bondages broken, people set free. We want people healed by the power of God. God is still, you don't know it, God is still a miracle working God. Focus. We must be a people of focus. Not only should we be a people of focus, but we must also be a people of faith. Everybody say faith. faith. See, when you struggle with faith, you don't doubt your ability, you doubt God's ability. You don't doubt your ability. Faith isn't about us. Faith ain't, you can't muster up faith, but you got to tap into God's ability and say, you know what? God is a mountain moving God. God is a God that is able in spite of what we're not able to do. God can still do. Got to be a people of faith. See the message version, the message version of first Thessalonians chapter five. And verse number 24 says, the one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. He's not like you and I. We say something, but we don't follow through with what we say. We don't fulfill what we say. Guess what? If God said it, you need to believe it. That settles it. And you walk out and you obtain it. Because God said it, he'll do it. He'll do it. He is a God that is able. Who is he that he would lie? He's not a God that would lie. The writer of Hebrews also tells us that it's impossible to please God without faith. See, that tells us how important faith is in the Christian life. 
See, the faith is defined for us in Hebrews 11, 1 and 2, where it says, being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. What we do not see. Faith believes even when it makes no sense to believe. Not because of the proof before you, but because of the trust you place in the object of your faith. Stay with me. But faith must have an object. Faith in faith will never accomplish God's work. The object of our faith is Jesus Christ. See, biblical faith is in a person, the person of God. Faith is not in me or my abilities, but on God and his abilities. Did you hear me? See, the Lord himself warns us in the book of John 15, verse number 5. Without me, you can do nothing. Nothing of significance, nothing of value, nothing of worth, nothing of eternal. Without me, in other words, the Lord Jesus Christ, we really can't do much. We need, you know what ourselves, all we did, or was it just me? You know what self did? All it did was get me in trouble. All it did was send me to prison. All it did was get me hooked on some substance. All it did was get me to want to not live no more. That's all self did. Oh, but glory be to God. When Jesus came inside of me, all things changed from the inside out. Who can say amen? Our faith is not in ourselves. Self got us in trouble. Self got us messed up. Self got us blind to what the enemy was really trying to do. Self was destroying self. But glory be to God, when Jesus comes in, everything else is changed. You're not what you used to be. You're not who you used to be. You know, you're not that same individual if you're a man or woman of God. You're not an ex-gang member or a drug addict. That's not you no more. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're created in the image of the Lord. You are somebody. You are of value and significance. You are the most high God. If you were the only one that needed a savior, guess what? God loves you so much, he would have sent Jesus to die just for you. He loves you. You're loved this morning. He knows that you're here. He brought you here today. You may say, I rolled up in my nice little car. You know, the old lady said, I better come or she's going to cut me loose. You know, uh, all these other reasons that my old lady put me in the home. <laughs> I know because mine's put me there too before. Amen, somebody. <laughs> but oh, that's the avenue in which God used and walked upon. But it was ultimately God's divine purpose and will that you're in the home, that you're here today, that you are who you are. It is God the one that is in the back scenes and he's doing what is taking place in your life. We have to understand that. Being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. See, but faith must have that object. It has to be the Lord himself. It can't be us. Biblical faith is in a person, the person of God. The Lord himself warns us. See, Jesus must be the focus and object of our faith if we're to continue moving forward. I don't want to be stuck. I don't want next year to come in February of 2013 and me to be the same way that I was this year. 
I don't want to, you know, my marriage to be the same. I don't want my relationship with my kids or my grandkids to be the same. I don't want my relationship with God Almighty to be the same. But I want to move forward. I want to grow. I want to get better. I want to become all that God wants me to be. See, with that in mind, I want to encourage you to continue moving forward in your walk with the Lord. I pray before you leave today, your attitude will be can't stop, won't stop. In order to have that attitude, we must, number one, is fear not. And I touched that just a little bit. But in Isaiah 41, verse number 10 and 13, it says, So do not fear, everybody say fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. Man, we could have altar call right now after that verse. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's his strong hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear because I will help you. Man, there's so much that we can pull out of that verse right there. There's so much. Thank you. There's so much. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7, it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, he's not giving us a spirit of fear, but we got a spirit of power. See, you say, I'm not able to love. Yes, you got the spirit of love inside of you as well. And you got the spirit of a sound mind. You know what that means? You're able to have peace of mind. If you're here and your mind is somewhere else and you're worried and you're fearful and you're wondering and you're, you know, you got so many different thoughts, that's because you choose to do that. Because you can tap into the spirit of God that's inside of you. It's a spirit that has power. It's a spirit that's able to love. And it's a spirit that is able to give us the peace of mind. Oh, I don't think you heard me. Does anybody need that this day? Does anybody need that? When you're up all night and you're wondering and you're worrying and you're questioning even God. God is saying, I've given you the peace of mind. All you got to do is tap into it and close your eyes and go to sleep. I remember one of the brothers that used to be in the church, he had this little plaque hanging up in his kitchen area. It says, give your worries to God. He stays up all night anyways. In other words, go get some sleep. Get some rest. Close your eyes. Lay down. Go Mimi's. Amen, somebody? God is up all night. He doesn't sleep and he doesn't slumber. He's up all night anyways. Why should we stay up worrying and tossing and turning? Go ahead and throw those worries over to God. The peace of mind is priceless. Priceless. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and of a sound mind. See, a certain amount of natural fear is normal, even healthy. However, God never intended for us to live in fear. Dr. Stanley Jones once said this, I am inwardly, inwardly fashioned for faith, not for fear. Fear is not my native land. Faith is. I am so made that worry and anxiety are sand in the machinery of life. 
Faith is the oil. I live better by faith and confidence than by fear, doubt, and anxiety. In anxiety and worry, my being is gasping for breath. These are not my native air, but in faith and confidence, I breathe freely. These are my native air. See, fear not because we have God. In Isaiah 41, verse number 10 that we read, it's in that verse it says, I am with you. He's with you today. You may say, man, it's dark. I can't see a light at the end of the tunnel. God is with you. He goes on to say, for I am your God. If he's your God, how many of you guys are parents today? And if you've seen your kids, your grandkids, that somebody was trying to cause harm to them, would you just let it happen? How much more God up in heaven when he looks over the balconies of heaven and he sees what we're going through. He's going to take care of us. He will allow whatever it is that we're going through. We can't die unless he permits it. Everything has to be fathered, filtered. It has to go through the father. When Job was tested, the devil himself had to ask God and permit and ask for permission to be able to test Job. How much more you and I, we got to be able to say, no matter what I go through, if God knows I can handle it, he will allow it. So why should I worry about it? I'm going to go Mimi's because God's going to take care of everything else. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. In the book of Hebrews 13, 5, he goes on to say, I will never leave you or forsake you. See, your spouse, I know, man, you love them. And man, you, some of us, we've been with them for 20, 30, 40 years. But that's not a guarantee that they'll never leave you. You know, your kids, you love them to death, literally. Literally. But eventually, they're going to get married and leave you. Yes. Little, yes. I'm not going to say no names, amen. Yes. They're going to grow up, and before you know it, they're going to flap their wings. Some of us like, win, Pastor, win. <laughs> but there's one that is stick closer than a brother. There's one that will never leave you nor forsake you. There's one that will never run out on you. There's one that will always be back to back and lock arms with you. And that's God Almighty. Come on, somebody get excited. He'll never leave us. In the book of Psalms 91, verse number 1 and 2, it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place, the shelter of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. How about Moses? Remember Moses? And I think I touched on it on Wednesday. But Moses, even Moses, Moses was able to, to, to basically see, see God in a fiery flame. He was able to, to almost be face to face with God. Moses once asked God, who had told him to go to Egypt, that Israel might be delivered from bondage. And he, go to, he went on to say, what shall I tell them has sent me to them? God said, tell them I am has sent me unto you. That's Exodus chapter 3 verse 14. See, beloved, that term for, for God basically refers to the all-sufficient one. The all-sufficient one. Watch me now. If you're fearful, God says, I am your courage. 
If you're spiritually weak, God says, I am your strength. If you're hurting from life's battles, God says, I am your comfort. Whatever it is that you need this morning, he is the all-sufficient one. He'll show up and he can become that very thing that you need. Fear not, because we have God's power. In our t uh, the verse number, Isaiah 41, verse number 10, it says, like I said, I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, I will uphold thee with my right hand of righteousness. Fear not, we have God's protection. Fear not, everybody say fear not. Fear Number two quickly is faint not. Faint not. Now turn with me to Isaiah 40, verse number 28. And we're going to read through verse number 31. It says, How uh, has thou not known, has thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. Everybody say faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength for even youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fail or fall but they that wait upon the lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint see that word faint if you look it up it means lacking courage and spirit you get the uh, also cowardly from that word faint, lacking strength and vigor. See, don't give up. Trust God for strength. The word translated faint in verse 28 means to tire. See, listen to me. Be careful. It's easy to want to give up when you're tired, worn out, and you're spent. Never make a life-changing decision in that frame of mind. Faint. Give up. Quit. We can't live our lives ready to quit and give up every other week. Amen, somebody. Amen. See, anybody can quit. As a matter of fact, quitting seems to be the norm today, especially when it comes to marriage, family, and even ministry. It's the norm. People quit on their marriages every day. People quit on their family every day. People quit on the ministry every day. It's the norm in today's society. When are we going to get back to that old school religion, that old school relationship, that no matter what comes my way, you can kill me if you may, but I'll never oh, forfeit my salvation and walk away from the things of God. Every other week, we want to trade her in. Trade her in. I want to upgrade. Want to trade him in. He's just a little worn out. You seen he couldn't even throw the water balloon yesterday. You see that? <laughs> Trade them in. I want to upgrade. I want the new and the improved. But how many guys know that's a lie from the pit of hell? We got to say till death do us part. Through sickness and in health. For richness and even when we're pouring in the ghetto, I will not trade her in. I will not upgrade a new and improved version. I'll stick it out to the very end. 
Oh, there's a new ministry. Have you heard about it? There's a new ministry. There's a new ministry, and they're looking for some people that want to be leaders. They need leaders. Leaders. Amen. Let me come back. Amen, somebody. <laughs> but we got to be individuals that don't give up. Say, don't quit. Come on, say, don't quit. In the book of Luke, chapter 18, verse number 1, it says, And he, Jesus, spoke a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not faint. There's that word faint. In other words, give up. I like the amplified version of this verse, which says, Also, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not turn coward. Not faint, not lose heart, and give up. Don't give up. Come on, say don't give up. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Galatians 5, 7, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? In other words, you were doing good. All smiley and googly eyes. I got the, oh, the spirit of joy. The fruit of the spirit. I'm just joyous. Oh, glory to God. Happy go lucky. I'm just, man, on the mountaintop. It feels good. Oh, but you can't live on the mountaintop. Before you know it, you got to come into the desert. You got to go into the valley of the shadow of death. Can you still keep your smile? Joy is an inside job. It's a fruit of the Spirit of God. All you got to do is exercise it. All you got to do is say, it's not dependent on what's taking place on the outside. Because the Spirit of God is at work on the inside. And as long as I exercise it, I can still smile even in the fire. Smile in the fire. Be like the three Hebrew boys. Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro. Amen, somebody. You know, Nabendigo, it just sounds better, amen? I heard a, 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 at the World Conference one day, man, I forget his name, rest in peace, he died not too long ago after the, that World Conference, real older gentleman, what was his name? Uh, man, but he preached, and he preached on Shadrach, Meshach, and he said, and a bad Negro, amen? We got any bad Negroes here? Bob, right here, come on, you're a bad boy, uh. come on, Bob. It's my top flight security right here in the front row. And don't underestimate the little one back there, Vern, right there. That's the other security. Uh, that, that's Debo? Oh. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But you know what? They were in the fire. And they were dancing in the fire. It didn't matter what they went through. They said, you know what? Man, even if we don't live... Uh, even if he doesn't, you know, rescue us, even in the midst of the fire, we'll still believe in God, that God will show up on our behalf, and we can still rejoice, even if we wake up in glory. Smiling and dancing in the fire. We can't get all bitter. Man, it looked like we were sucking on lemon heads, like, oh, I'm just in the fire. I'm enduring today. Oh. Nobody better look at me today in church. <laughs> they don't know what I'm going through. They're not married to who I'm married to. They don't have the kids I have. No, I don't. Amen, somebody. <laughs> you don't got the kids I got either. Amen. 
I know what you're going through with your kids because I went through all of it, still am. Started all over. It goes from kids to grandkids. And then I heard it goes to great grandkids. So when does it ever end? When we wake up in glory. So I'm rejoicing and I'm waiting that one day I'm going to wake up in glory where there's no more pain, no more misery, no more sorrow, no more weeping. But they'll be dancing and rejoicing because we'll be in the presence of the Lord. Come on, somebody get excited. Can't give up. Man, suck it up. Just, man, it's okay. Go through the fire. Come out just a little bit more clean. Amen? Come out a little bit more sharp. You know, back in the days when they made swords, they put them in a fire. They put them in a fire. You want to be a sharp weapon in the hands of a powerful God? You got to be in the fire. Don't, don't settle with being dull. Don't settle for, you know, uh, business as usual. Don't settle for mediocrity. Don't settle for the norm. But want to be sharp and say, God, you could use me because I belong to you. Come on, somebody loosen up in here. Don't give up. Man, that shows that, man, he has great things in store for you. He's sharpening you up. Man, he don't want to use you as a dull individual. Our lives were dull before the Lord. We're called to be mighty. We're called to be powerful. We're called and there's purpose and there's a destiny for our lives. And it's not to be on the shelf and be dull. It's not to be lukewarm. The Bible says that he'd rather us be hot or cold because if we're lukewarm, he'll spit us out of his mouth. Uh, can you taste that? I want to be a good taste in the Lord's mouth. Amen. Um, man, this, this doesn't taste too good. <sighs> Oh, help me, Lord. <laughs> I want him to be able to enjoy me and say, man, that knuckle used to be a knucklehead. And everybody gave up on him. Everybody counted him out. Everybody looked past him. Everybody said there's no hope. But they didn't know that I was preparing them for such a day as this. I was molding him. I was shaping him. I was sharpening him up. Because I have a great plan in store for his life. And he don't even know it yet. Parole officer told me. I remember I was just 21 years old and I was getting out of prison. He looked at me like it was yesterday. I know I looked like 25. It wasn't four years ago though. Amen. I was 21 years old. And I just got out of prison. I remember I was all joyful. I had the spirit of joy, the fruit of the spirit inside. And I didn't even know it. Amen. Because I didn't serve God. I didn't know God in there. But it was, I was excited. Amen. Uh, like, I'm going home. Amen. Pray. I didn't say amen. Like, I can't even talk any other way no more. But I was like, man, I'm going home. All right. Anybody ever been there? I'm going home. I've been set free. All right. The shackles have been loose. Right? The, the bars of iron have been cut in pieces. I'm about to be set free. So I was all excited and I'm signing my release papers. And the, 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 the correctional officer on the other side of that counter said, what are you all happy about? I'm like, I'm going home. He was like, why? You'll be back. Well, I almost caught me a case. Amen, somebody? I was like, I'm about to stay. Amen. How are you going to tell me what I'm going to do, man? I was like, man, I'm just going to be quiet. Whatever you say, sir. Yes, sir. Sir, amen. But you know what? Here we are, 20-something years later. I didn't go back. 
Why? Because Jesus had this in mind. Oh, he said, I was, I had you in that prison cell. I was preparing you for a time such as this, and I had this in mind. They didn't know it. You didn't know it, but I knew it since the beginning of time. I knew you while you were still in the womb of your mother. I've called you for greatness. You're not what you used to be, but you belong to me now. Come on, if that's you, get excited today. You were running a good race. What cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? What was it? What hindered some within the Bible from finishing well? In the case of Samson, it was his lust for women. He could conquer a thousand Philistines with the jaw bone of a donkey, but he couldn't conquer his own passions. He ended up, listen to me, bald, blind, bound, and buried. Did you hear me now? Samson ended up bald, bound, blind, and even buried. How many have fallen by the wayside because they didn't control their passions? What about Saul? He was conquered by pride and jealousy and his refusal to submit totally to God. Listen to me now. Those of us that are a little prideful. See, though he started out with great humility, he soon became very proud. He lost his kingdom because he was too proud to go out there on the battlefield and fight for what he believed in, for the army of God, because he was too proud and he didn't want to fight no more. What about Asa? Asa got caught up in the success of his own programs and his own resources, and he no longer relied fully on the Lord. What about us? Are we dependent solely on God today? Are we dependent on our jobs, our spouse, our parents, our kids, the economy? Or are we dependent on God today? Asa began to be dependent on his own. What about Demas? Demas loved this present world more than he loved God. And he forsook the Lord. In 1 John 2.15, it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. we got to love God today. Yes, love your spouse. Yes, love your kids. Yes, love whatever it is, the blessings of God. Oh, but don't make a mistake, my friend, and begin to love those things more than you love God. Because if it wasn't for God, many of us wouldn't have those things anymore. Love God. We got to love God. Don't forsake the Lord because you love this world more than you love God. Don't forsake the Lord. Yes, be grateful when God blesses you. Be grateful when God promotes you. Be grateful when God opens up doors. Be grateful when you get your breakthrough, when you get your healing, when you get delivered. Oh, but don't get caught up in that thing itself. Get caught up in Jesus Christ because he is the one that is the one that is able to do all things in your life. Don't give up. You're blessed this morning. Be grateful. You should be more grateful than most of us in this place. The last thing we're going to look at real quick is fired up. Fired up. In 1 Kings chapter 18. Familiar portion of scripture. I'm just going to begin to read at verse 21. Don't worry, we're almost done. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? Listen to the Spirit of God. Listen to the voice of God this morning. The voice behind my voice. 
How long will you waver between two opinions? God is speaking to somebody. This is for somebody here. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am only the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it in the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by, by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. O Baal, answer us. They shouted, but there was no, no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar that they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. The man of God began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he is in deep thought. Perhaps he's, in, he's asleep or busy or perhaps he's traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was, which was in ruins. See, listen to me. And I'm, I'm going to stop there. But to be on fire for God means to be committed. It means to be sold out to him. It means to be active, not passive in God's service. I like what we all know the story that Elijah began to pray out and, and cried out to God and God came and consumed the whole altar. He burnt it to a crisp because he is an all powerful God. Yes, there's many gods that supposedly lived and died throughout time, but there's only been one Oh, that was resurrected. Three days went by and he was resurrected from the dead. That is all powerful. Elijah, one man, was able to face all 400 prophets of Baal. One man, because he was on fire for God. You may be the avenue that's going to reach that loved one that you think there's no hope for. You've even counted them out. You said, you know what? They're, 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 they, they, need, they need nothing short of a miracle of God. Well, guess what? That is an ideal place for God to perform his greatness. That's an ideal place for God to perform a miracle. And God may just perform that miracle on their behalf. But it takes one unfired individual to say, not on my watch. I may not go over there and tell them about Jesus every day. Oh, but I'm on my knees and my face before God telling God about them. 
saying, God, the same way you were able to deliver me, the same way you were able to change my life, put my family back together, restore what the enemy tried to take from me. God, are you not able to do the same for them? But you got to be on fire. Because if you pray once or twice or thrice and God doesn't move, if you're not on fire, you'll stop praying. But if you're radical and you're extreme and you're on fire for God, you'll continue to go back not only once, twice, but three times a day. And you'll pray for them knowing that the answer is on its way. Come on, I don't think you guys are on fire. I don't think you heard me. I don't think you heard me. Come on, is anybody on fire in this place? John Huss was a man who believed the scriptures to be infallible and supreme authority in all matters. He died at the stake for that belief in Constance, Germany on his 42nd birthday, on his birthday, as he refused the final plea to renounce his faith John Huss' last words were, what I taught with my lips, I seal with my blood. That's commitment. That's an individual that's on fire for God. That's an individual that says, you may be able to take this body. You may be able to stop this heart from beating. Oh, but you can't take my soul. My soul is going to glory. My soul is going to heaven. My spirit will be in heaven. On fire for God. Settle in your heart who you will follow. Choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day. Choose this day who are you going to serve. Who are you going to serve? Who are you really serving this day? Who are you going to serve? The God of Baal? Or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Jacob, who are you serving here today? Settle in your heart who you will follow. In 1 Kings 18.21, it says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long? How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. In the book of Matthew 6.24, it says, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate. Everybody say hate. Come on, say it like you mean hate. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. The world is waiting to see the fire. Your co-workers are waiting to see the fire. Your unsafe family members and loved ones are waiting to see the fire. In verse number 38 of 1 Kings 18, it says, In the fire the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God, the Lord, he is the God that... Come on, you ain't listening to me. 
They seen what happened because they built this trench all the way around this altar that they built. And they filled it with water where it was overflowing. And then they soaked everything. But yet, even in that, God was able not only to ignite a fire that burnt the wood, the altar, and licked up, sucked up all the water. That is the God that we serve. And we should have the same attitude afterwards. Oh, God Almighty, He is the Lord God. And they fell on their faces and they worshiped God. When you hear something like that, what do you think? Do you want to worship God? Do you just want to thank God that he saw fit to it to deliver us, save us, change us, love us? I don't think I was the only unlovable person. I don't think I was the only messed up, jacked up, toe up individual. I don't think I was the only one that everybody gave up on. Oh, but glory to God, there's one that never gave up on me. There's one that never stopped loving me. There's one that always believed in me. And that's Jesus. Come on, somebody say Jesus. Say Jesus. Listen, beloved. If the fire of God ever falls in our hearts and lives, listen to me. If the fire of God ever falls on our hearts and our lives, in our hearts and our lives, it will do away with personal agendas. When a person gets on fire for Jesus, they aren't concerned with petty church politics, personal power, and worldly popularity. They aren't obsessed with themselves at all. They folk, they're focused on God. They have faith in God. I don't know about you, but oh, that God's people would let God consume their lives with himself. What a change it would make in our families, our church, and our computer, uh, community, as well as our world. Fired up. That's what we need to be. You know that, you ever see a fire, you drive, you see the smoke, you're like, man, I wonder what's burning, right? What's burning over there? And then we think, oh man, they must have been a, a meth house, a meth lab, amen? Caught on fire, blew up. Right? What's burning over there? What's burning? What's burning, right? I see the smoke, man, all the way from Levine to here. Man, something's on fire. Right? Well, guess what? The same is said when a church is on fire for God. People are, what's, what's, what's on fire over there? What's burning over there? What's taking place over there in East Phoenix? There's a fire, and I want to see. As a matter of fact, I want to be a part of that fire. Come on, somebody. Fired up for Jesus. You all you got to do is make a fire. Be on fire. And everybody, family, friends, foes, fools, everybody will want to come and watch it burn. Why don't we all stand? Can't stop, won't stop. I've been on fire for God for June will be 20 years. 20 years I've been on fire for God. And I don't think the fire is getting ready to dim down any bit anytime soon. Matter of fact, I believe it's going to continue to burn. I, I'm still a young pastor. You got a young pastor, amen? Come on, you, you believe that? You got a young pastor. 
And God has some great things in store for our lives and the lives of our families. But we got to be on fire. You know, when you get married, if you've been together with your spouse as long as I've been with my spouse, we've been together over 20 years. You know, they, they have what they call that, that honeymoon state. That honeymoon state, you know. They, they, they say, you know, uh, those that do uh, studies and those that do all these tests and they say that the first five years of marriage is the honeymoon stage. Well, I, I don't know about you, but I, I like going against the odds. They, they say that, you know, uh, after five years or of even serving God, you're on fire for the first five years. That's, that's the honeymoon stage. But I don't know about you. I, I like going against the odds. I, I, I don't like the norm. I don't like ordinary. I don't like status quo. I don't like business as usual. I, I, I just don't. I, that just, it, it rubs me, frustrates me. It just irritates me just a little bit. I don't know how long you've been serving God. I know we've been here as a church only four years. And yes, many of you come from other churches or you had an experience with God. And many of you, you had your first encounter with God right here in Victory Outreach East Phoenix. But don't, don't, don't give power and don't let just anybody speak into your life. Don't let these individuals that do these studies, that do all these testings, don't let society speak into your life and, well, this is normal. Uh, you're going to be in love in that honeymoon stage for, for the first five years of your marriage. Don't, don't, don't let them, you know, the person next to you that perhaps just has a little, a, don't even have a little flick no more, amen, a, a, a little spark no more. Because, you know, they, they say they want to blame it on the devil. They want to blame it on somebody else. They want to blame it on society, the economy. They want to blame, 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 blame. But you don't have to be that way. Go defy the odds. Say, I, I want my marriage to be in that honeymoon state every year, every day, every second, every hour, every decade of our lives I want my relationship with God I want the fire of God to continue to burn even brighter just because it happened to you my brother just because it happened to you sister oh I'm not I refuse to allow it to happen to me God has been too good to me he didn't save me that I would just be a little a little flicker a little a little spark there's a dying and hurting world that is still out there. And we're not going to reach them with a little, little spark. Come on, you, I'm talking to the right people, right? Come on, you, you, know, you know when all the stores were closed and you're looking for that lighter, right? You know what I'm talking about. Don't, 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 don't forget now. We don't live there no more, but we can still use it to motivate us today. Yes, we're not supposed to live in our past. We don't let our past dictate us what we're going to do for God today. But don't forget, I wasn't the only one. I was willing to buy a lighter in the midnight hours because I needed a lighter 
And I was willing to give and do just about anything, even for a life. Come on, am I talking to the right people this night, this day? You know, and you got that lighter and there's... You, you, anybody know how to take a lighter apart and, you know, lift that little thing up, put it over and turn it back up? We're MacGyvers. We got to be spiritual MacGyvers today and say, man, my fire's a little dim. Oh, but I'm about to go to that altar. I'm about to get reignited. I'm about to allow the Spirit of God to pour fresh anointing on my life. And you gotta let it burn. Let it burn. Five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, however long the Lord allows us. He leaves us here for a reason. You're alive and kicking today for a reason. You're here today because he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And it's not to be a little flicker, a little spark, but it's to be a fire where it's going to spread like a wildfire. Not only here in East Phoenix, not only in West Phoenix, South Phoenix, North Phoenix, not only here in Phoenix, all over the world where you're able oh, to affect the lives of others. Your family members, they look for that fire, not when you're on the mountaintop, but when you're in the valley of the shadow of death. They look for that fire when you get laid off. They look for that fire when they know that you have to get marriage counselings. They look for that fire when your kids run away and they've gone wild. Do you still believe when all your natural instincts tell you not to believe? Will you still believe? Because that's what that dying world, that dark world out there, those that are lost and bound, that's what they're looking for. And they're looking for it at your worst of times, not your best of times. So you got to be fear not, faint not, and fire up. And if we do that as a church, you do that as an individual, we're going to impact this world for the honor and the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you here today. Father, we need you, God. Father, we need to be individuals, men and women and young people that fear not. You have not given us a spirit of fear, but yet love, power, and a sound mind. We have no reason to fear or nothing to fear but fear itself. Let us be individuals that are fear not. Let us be individuals that would faint not. We won't give up on you, God. We won't quit on you. We won't quit on our spouses. We won't quit on our families. We won't quit on our children. We won't quit on our church and our ministry. Let us faint not. And let us be a people, God, that would fire up. Father, we pray that you would pour fresh oil on us today. Father, that you would ignite a fire, God, that would burn and never dwindle out. Father, let us be, God, like you, that all-consuming fire, God. Fire us up, God. Let us be so on fire that this city, that this world will want to come and see what's taking place, God. We need you, God. Fire us up, God. 
Let us fear not, faint not, and fire us up. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. If that's you, you want to come and get fired up, these altars are open here this morning.